the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Good day. Got a big event coming up in a little more than two weeks. One of them is almost sold out. Investing for your first million in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge from 1 to 3. Almost sold out. The Retirement Income and Strategies and Estate Planning Palo Alto event still has plenty of space. Um, you can sign up for either or event at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow. Really, they are two very separate events. You shouldn't sign up for both. One of them is for people who are you know, cruising towards retirement. One is for people who don't really know what the word retirement means to them and need to accumulate assets so that is to enjoy a good retirement. You can sign up for either event at Rob Black's show. Use the code RADIO25 to get in for free for the radio listeners. Joining me now to talk a little bit about the markets and investing in the world of financial planning. He, too, will be at those events. CFP Chad Burton. How are you, Mr. Burton? Great. How are you? Well, thanks for asking. Um, you know, the market has hit some new highs. Not all the markets. You know, when we say market, we kind of like S&P, the Dow, the Dow Transports, the NASDAQ, the Russell. Uh, but with various markets hitting new highs on the backs of the biggest year-over-year growth in earnings since 2011, it's been a very good earnings season. Is now the time to sell bonds, get more aggressive? Or are you thinking... Trim some of your winners? Are you thinking buy some of your losers? Where are you at right now, especially with bonds? But, yeah, I, mean, I think rebalancing is always prudent. I mean, it, it's tough because headlines are so, you know, one-sided. Right now you're seeing all these headlines that say, you know, marching, market reaching new highs on the backs of the biggest year-over-year growth in earnings since 2011. And that sounds pretty great. Um, a lot of that is because you have... 11 sectors now in the S&P 500. And one of those sectors is energy, and energy went through just a massive roller coaster ride. So this time last year, we were talking about the huge decline in earnings for energy stocks, and now we're talking about the big increase. So if you peel out energy from the S&P 500 so far, not all companies have reported, but if you add up the remaining 10 sectors and divide it by 10, you're looking at about a 4.5% average earnings growth. 
across those sectors. Some are higher, um, some a bit lower, but that's the average. So you've had the market push ahead, you know, nearly 7% year to date. Um, it will, and still going forward on a lot of expectations in terms of what's to come on tax reform, tax reduction, uh, repatriation of cash, and a lot of things that the administration is working on right now. So, um, you know, the other thing is that everybody's just talking about the S&P 500 or the Dow or the NASDAQ reaching levels that it hadn't seen since the tech crash. Meanwhile, emerging markets have almost doubled the return of the S&P 500 this year, and international markets, just international developed in general. If you look at, you know, EFA as an ETF or EEM, which is emerging market ETF, both of those have outperformed the S&P 500. So it's just, there's always this idea of asset allocation, making sure you're spread across all assets, because the stocks that did really well after the big Trump bump are the stocks that have performed not as well so far this year, and everybody wanted out of international last year because of Brexit and potential French elections, and here we are looking at overseas markets outperforming U.S. markets. So you own a little bit of everything, and you continue to rebalance. First, you have to know your risk tolerance and then rebalance to that after big market run-ups. I understand. I'm with you on that. Um, lots to think about, though, for sure. Any thoughts on retirees? Um, Trump keeps you know, setting up some trial balloons here and there. Um, what's going to look like as far as some of the, the, the administration's plans for retirees? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, as you get towards retirement or in retirement, a lot of people, once they are really far into their mortgage, um, uh, you know, let's say you're 20 years into a 30-year mortgage or 10 years into a 15, you're really not paying that much interest. So a lot of times those people end up using the standard deduction instead of the itemized deduction. So if the standard deduction is doubled for a lot of people, that should help retirees. Um, but it also make that conversation that we've been having the last few years, you know, do I take cash, my excess cash that I might have from selling stocks or rebalancing stocks and buy bonds that rates seem to be slightly moving up? Well, whether or not they will is another argument, but, um, or do I accelerate and pay off my mortgage? So that conversation is going to have to be had with you, your financial advisor, and your CPA to say what's going to be better. So the standard deduction issue is going to be the biggest issue for retirees. Um, medical expenses for most retirees, they don't get to you know deduct a lot of those now because there's been a change in that. So that will hopefully help as well. Um, charities, we hope, still continue to be fine. But, um, but it, there, that's the biggest area of change for retirees, Rob. I think the biggest one is the business owners, though. It's going to be an interesting next four years, is it not? Yeah, well, you know, the, there's so much ambiguity in what was proposed so far. Um, and so many questions that I have in terms of, okay, how are they really going to make this a simpler system? Because we need a much simpler system, especially for retirees. When it comes to how is your Social Security taxed, how is your Social Security reduced if you take it too early, um, how do capital gains really work? There's a 0, a 10, a 15, and a 23.8% tax bracket for capital gains. It's just way too complicated, and there's too many loopholes. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be done. I, I, really, I really have doubts that it's going to happen in, you know, through August 
uh, before August, but um, who knows? We, we've had a, a lot of surprise. You know, one of the areas that we've talked about, and let's sit a little further detail, is the business owners. And, um, you know, you're a business owner, and I'm a business owner, and we feel that when you hire 10 to 15 people and you pay them good salaries and they've got good income and they've got good taxes and they've got good sales taxes, it feels like America's been kind of unfair to the small business owner. Do you agree with that thought? Are you are you tracking with me on that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you've got you know these big C corporations that trade on the New York Stock Exchange that find so many loopholes and have armies of attorneys that they really never pay the 35% tax anyways. Right. Meanwhile, as an, you know, as an S-Corp owner... Uh, we, for our 11 employees, have full coverage for health insurance. Um, so we pay well over $100,000 a year for health insurance coverage. We're getting a 15% rate increase. So the Affordable Care Act has done nothing for that. Um, so that's going to be a $20,000 you know, hit to the budget for us. Um, and at the same time, as a owner of an S-corporation, I can't write off my own health insurance premiums. I can't have a flex spending account. I, I get nailed with taxes. I pay more taxes than, I mean, it's just, it makes you ill. Um, so something has to change. Now, giving everybody just a 15% tax on the pass-through isn't going to be, you know, a job creator. So as long as they can fix the situation with job creation and a more fair tax to small business owners, it's really going to help because that's where the job creation is, is a small business right now. Bigger corporations are going to benefit from artificial intelligence and doing more with okay. less people, but small business owners where the jobs are created. Sounds great. We're going to meet up with you again in Palo Alto on May 20th. People could still sign up for the Retirement Income Strategies and Estate Planning event uh, with CFP Chad Burton from 9 to 11. You can also listen to his show uh, Mondays and Tuesdays here on KDO Debut at 2 p.m. Retirement Income Strategies and Estate Planning Seminar coming up May 20th from 9 to 11. You can sign up at the Elks Lodge Palo Alto at uh, newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. There's a lot of really good downloads there, and the code to get in for free is Radio 25. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Strombellas. They won Best New Artist of the Year at the iHeart Radio Awards. And they used Snapchat as a way of thanking their fans with stupid little filters that they put on themselves. But what kid in the world wouldn't want to sing this song with a guitar? Super simple lyrics. Ghost, 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 live in my head. There's a hope, 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 living in my bed. And you strum your guitar. You can clearly tell I can't play guitar, and that's why I look at that and go, huh. But the team, or the Snapchat, was the, the angle on the story that I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about. 
or any IPO. And Shake Shack was one of those IPOs that was so everyone everyone wanted Shake Shack, and you're like, what do they do? Do they make burgers that cure cancer? No. So you start asking questions like, are there hamburgers? Uh, ability to make the internet go faster? No. Are there hamburgers set up so they pays you income over time? No. So you have to ask yourself, okay, the IPO was super oversubscribed and everyone wanted it. And there was a craze going on about, there's always a craze in California about In-N-Out Burger, the most overrated burger in the nation, in my opinion. Um, but with that said, they don't have freezers. And everyone's like, oh, McDonald's, you know, that frozen patty, that sound when you drop a patty. And, you know, it sounds something like this. Um, not a good sound. Not a good sound. So, Shake Shack had its, like, sexy debut, and the stock went crazy. And ever since then, it's been a loser, because ultimately, you got to have a little bit more. you got to have profits. In Shake Shack's case, their profits are good, but they, they make a burger. Uh, software, uh, the thing that I always like to talk about in computers, because it's so easy for people to see, was Microsoft and operating systems. Software, you develop the program, and then you copy it and duplicate it and replicate it. Copy it, duplicate, replicate. Copy, duplicate, replicate, right? Margins in software are much higher than in hardware. In the end, you're going to look at computers, and you're going to say, well, let's take a look between the Dell. Do you remember Compaq? The Compaq and the Gateway. Gateway boxes look like they're cows. So cute! Nothing better than an exploding cow. Well, maybe an exploding whale. But that's a different issue. When I read that stranded whales are dangerous because they've got organisms growing in their belly and as they start to warm up, boom, they explode. And the last thing you ever want to be hit by is whale guts. Well, I can think of some other things that I don't want to get hit by, but that's up there. So anyway, with IPOs, you have to say to yourself, okay, Shake Shack, what do they do? They basically hire people to flip burgers, right? So they, that's their labor. Oh, go back to software real quick. Microsoft Windows, they make the software, they copy it. The hardware you're competing, you know, Dell versus Gateway versus Compaq versus uh, HP versus IBM. And in the end, you're like... I. I've got $2,000 for a laptop. Which one do I get? And you're like, well, I'm going to get the one with the most features for 2000 And typically that's how it played out. Sometimes the most features came at the cost of margins. The margins in hardware are not as good as software. Same thing could be, you have to analyze that kind of thing with Shake Shack. The drought that hit California is starting to spread to the Midwest as it ends in California. And that means... We're not going to have corn and grains to feed these cows, which means the prices of cows are going to go down because we're going to slaughter them because we're not going to be able to feed them. And there's going to be a lot of them out there. And then next year, the price of the cows are going to go up because we slaughtered them all this year. So there's going to be an issue there. but that's And that's how you have to start thinking. Now, like with Snap, you're going to have insiders selling in the next 12 months. 18 months, 24 months. Venture capitalists are going to say, you know, we gave this company $20 million and, well, it's worth $200 million, so we're taking some of our money. 
go on, take the money and run. Um, insiders are going to be like, well, I worked at this company 80 hours a week. Whatever it was, they weren't paying me, so they gave me stock, and I'm so tired. Oh, I don't want to work anymore, so I'm going to cash out some shares and take some time off. So you don't want to be the guy who worked at Twitter early on, saw the IPO, and they're like, I'm taking it to 200. I think it was 24 up to 95, and 95 down to 12. And a lot of people at 95 are like, go, 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 go. I'm not happy with just $3 million. I need four. I need five. So insiders sometimes can get left holding the bag. So insiders coming. Insider selling's coming. Uh, the ability to show profits is to be difficult for Snap, and the ability to hold customers is to be def- difficult. One of the things about Snap and Facebook is there's no brand loyalty. People who market are going to say, we need to create an event like National Pizza Day, where if you jump on Facebook and you see an ad, you get 50% off pizza from Domino's. Like That's an event that Facebook can deliver, and that's an event where Domino's could say, job well done. Whereas if it's uh, H&M fashion, it's a little bit tougher to say that campaign worked. Uh, so a lot of the campaigns are about branding and marketing or event-driven. And the appetite for employees is high. I've got a friend who's old. And when I say old, he's 45. But in tech employee years, he might as well be 65. And... He worked in gaming, and he worked in gaming, and he worked in gaming, and he did well, and he did well, and he got old. And suddenly his ability to work in gaming, a lot tougher. So he just took a job at Facebook. Now, he could have, if he wanted to, and he still could, call up Snap and say, hey, I'll work for you. Snap's going to need new employees. When you're a brand new IPO, they have to bring in people to build growth and revenue, which Wall Street will say... Now I get it. Now I get why you're not one analyst right now has a buy rating. Again, I could replay the spot for a hundred years and it'll still be the same story. That what moves IPOs is the ability to attain employees and continue to build revenue because they're young companies. That's why they came public. The ability to sell insider shares and weather that storm. Um, and the ability to show the meaningful profits down the road. So, would I buy Snap? That's not the point. The point is you have to learn how to analyze and figure out the reasons why things are working or not working. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Call Rob Black now 
800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Don't count on that inheritance. Many of us are living longer and longer. They say that the if you're born today, you can almost expect to live to 90. Can you imagine being 90 years old and living off Social Security and it's dwindling? And you didn't save enough? That's why you have to save 10 to 20 times your income. So I got an email that says, I have close to $1.5 million in cash after a real estate sale. As a senior over 70, I think I can easily put away half of a million and draw about 10% from it from the bank and will it down to zero over the next 10 years. That means $48,000 per year, or $4,000 per month, plus pension income, of course. The other million, all invested in stocks, 50% stocks and 50% bonds. And when 10 years rolls around after the half million is depleted, I can start dipping into this one and start spending. Do you see this as a good strategy? Do you have any other alternative plans? Uh, where will I invest the one million? Any ideas? And that's a pretty good situation to be in, to be 70 and inherit a big piece of property, a million and a half dollars property. I mean, in the Bay Area, it's not great, but that's probably some pretty good property if it's other areas of the United States. Um, so seven, or multiple properties. A seven-figure windfall. Yeah. It's not going to happen to very many people. Um, it's a good problem, right? It's definitely a story that a lot of people see and encourage them to buy more real estate. Uh, although this person's 70 years old, so he, you know, if he's inheriting this property, this property could have been in the family for many, 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 many more years than, um, you know, than a 30 year fixed. So my recommendation on that is I think the guy's actually thinking a lot the right ways. Not perfect. You know, Chad likes to have three years of income in a safe place. This guy wants 10 years of income in a safe place, but that's not bad. Um, and it's a sizable chunk to leave a million dollars until you're 80. Um, not knowing where to invest that million into, say, 50% stocks and 50% bonds, that feels a little sloppy to me. Um, but I like the ideas. I mean, I, I think he's thinking the right way, creating a short-term portfolio versus creating a long-term portfolio like it's a little bit more uh, of an issue. But... That's one of the nice things about being cash rich, when you, uh, house rich when you when you get old. A lot of people in California will have that house paid off, and it's a sizable asset, but they won't have anything saved. A couple of weeks ago, we got a call from somebody who said that they had sold a property and they didn't know what to do. They had I think about five hundred thousand dollars, and they, um, I didn't get into any of the retirement issues, but they they wanted to take that money and split it up with other properties out of state and just buy them free and clear, and just use that in, the income from those properties to kind of supplement, you know, what they would have normally got from any kind of rate of return. They were scared of the market because it's at a high. So a lot of people with that that kind of windfall could look at real estate and uh, dump it all back into real estate, which I'd be careful about um, when you're looking at highs across the markets. But with the rents where they are now, I think that's something that a lot of people are, are can't avoid is that there's a good rate of return right now in rents. Um, you know, of course, San Jose and San Francisco, places like New York, D.C., those places are doing very, very well. But you're, you're looking at higher you've, home prices. You've seen rents fall pretty aggressively in San Francisco. San Francisco has dropped and, and New York City have, have dropped. Um, I think that's just a normalization of, of rents uh, um, as opposed to places like Oakland where we're seeing 
easy high double digits, not high double digits, but 18% increases year over year for Oakland. Um, so a lot of people yeah. are, are, are seeing these opportunities and, and drawing people back in towards real estate after I, I, a windfall like that. I question the word normalization because I've got a friend in television who's a reporter, and he's pretty good. And uh, he lives out near Half Moon Bay, not in the nicest neighborhood, not in the nicest apartment. And he's, like, being priced out. So he's getting ready to move not to Oakland, but, to like, Portland. Um, a sizable difference. Portland is the normalization angle. One of, is the fastest growing city, according to I think Redfin was the survey that they did that, uh, as far as home appreciation was one of the fastest growing cities in the United States in 2016. So um, I think those are the kind of angles that if you were to get a windfall like that and put some of it into real estate and live off the other amount or and, and you know whatever the proper investments are and look at uh, not only a a place where a lot of millennials are moving, a lot of jobs are moving there, places like Seattle, Utah, uh, Denver, even Phoenix, uh, and look at possible some appreciation. I'd be careful about overestimating appreciation, though. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes people do when they do these kind of calculations is there's a very easy little button that you can push and says 1%, 2%, 5%, and it makes your numbers look really, really good or sometimes way too good. And it, and it may drive you towards a real estate transaction when it, when indeed it, it may not work that way. So I'd be very careful on the, and be conservative with appreciation and factoring that in. I'd look for more for the down, the, the down years as opposed to the up years as far as calculating cash flows. What is it going to look like in the worst case scenario? And I don't think enough people do that. So talking rents, talking investing, talking real estate, talking interest rates, um, and basically assumptions, and sometimes you want to be careful on flawed assumptions. And one of the biggest flawed assumptions that I see out there are people thinking, oh, I'll figure it out later. Um, that's on my side of the fence. You're more on the real estate side at BayAreaLoanSource.com. I'm more on the, do people have enough to retire? Yeah. Um, and then the, there's also that flawed assumption that because it's worked in the past, it'll work again. And um, but, I, I don't think so. But, go, but going back to one of the comments you said earlier in the show was uh, you you – as people giving bad advice, especially people in real estate, uh, the more and more I longer and longer I stay in this business, the more and more I think I need to have some sort of, you know, series seven or series six license to in order to give the proper advice for people. Um, and I think that's kind of where the industry might end up going. Rob is people like me will need to have a higher degree of education in order to give the, the right advice. I'm with you. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. What's the typical person look like right now um, who's coming to you? Are they cash rich? Are they is it like for instance, I read an article recently about a guy who's working for Twitter, making one hundred sixty thousand dollars in San Francisco, and he's like, I didn't become a software engineer so I can make ends meet, barely make ends meet, just scrape by on one hundred sixty thousand. And when you factor in $3,000 a month for rent, that's 36000 on the 160. Let's take out 40000 for taxes. Uh, he's down to 120. And then you're down to, you know, roughly, uh, 85, 80 after that. And then you get sales tax and it, it goes pretty quickly, but you, you would think $160,000. Well, it, it's definitely hurt. Uh, the people that we're seeing, it's, uh, lower down payments is something that we're seeing. Um, even though the, the Bay Area averages roughly, you know, one hundred and eighty thousand dollars as a as a down payment for a property, uh, and you translate that, you know, twenty percent, somewhere around seven hundred and some thousand, and you can ease. I'm sorry, it's a little over eight hundred, but the 
we are seeing a little bit low, lower down payment, but the reason we are is because there's more products that allow, especially in the jumbo territory, allowing less down payment. You can go up to $2.5 million with 5% down with no mortgage insurance. And a lot of people don't know that. And as these what we call non-qualified mortgage products come out or portfolio products or you can just call them, they're not even subprime, they're called alternate products. The more and more we see this, the more and more we're going to see people like that guy that works for Twitter and he has he hasn't been able to save enough money, but he makes enough money to qualify. And that's what we're seeing more and more often. Uh, and a lot of these kinds of products are tailored towards places like the Bay Area and Washington, D.C., New York and, and L.A. And, and Chicago and all the big high dollar areas. And and for the most part, the, the a place like the Bay Area needs these type of products because there are a lot of high-dollar in- income people that aren't saving enough money for a down payment. So that's kind of where the industry is, is leading right now. Now, not everybody's going to be in that situation because you could easily just come with a dual income and qualify uh, with maybe a little bit more down payment to that 20%. So that's one of the reasons why I think the Bay Area home prices c- can continue going up a, a little bit more e- without anything changing. Now, if the stock market keeps going better and the jobs increase, I mean, we've gained 600,000 jo- jobs here in the Bay Area since 2010. Um, and we haven't created enough housing, not even nearly enough housing. It's like 10% of that uh, in new housing. So we, we can see the home prices continue going up in the Bay Area just if everything stays the same. Um, even if it, even if we backtrack a little bit and backtracking things like higher interest rates, um, incomes could stagnate. We'd have different tax regulations. I mean, Prop 13 go away. I mean, there's a lot of things that could change that. But when it's all said and done, I think most people that are listening to the show about real estate want to know if their investment's safe. And I feel pretty darn good about it. For me, for not, that's just one of the reasons. The other reason is most people who've bought or refinanced in the last, let's say, eight to 10 years have used, what they call qualified mortgages, meaning that our ownership pool is a lot stronger today than it was back in 2000, leading up to 2007, 2008, where a lot of people foreclosed, and we're not going to have that kind of snowball effect that we did back then. We're also at record low home ownership. We are, we are, but that's also with low inventory. Is it means that we're not we're not running out of buyers because of the low inventory. If inventory starts expanding, let's say it doubles, we may have that issue. You know, what's kind of interesting is California's solution for record low home ownership, crazy high rent and overcrowding seems to be, let's put a granny unit in the backyard and rent it out. It's something we're seeing. You're asking a lot of great questions. These are people, things we're seeing. We're seeing people taking out renovation loans, trying to finish their basements, put in-law yep. units in. The renovation loans are out there. The private money or loans are out there for the quick turns. Um, they're all out there. And, the, and that's what I think that the industry is going to be looking at in the next five years is, is more and more products to help places like California continue to grow. I don't know if the granny unit angle is a good long-term solution. Yeah, but you rent it out, and all of a sudden your mortgage isn't three thousand; it's fifteen hundred or less. So, does that math does that math play out? I'm Rob Black. You can find Tony Mendez if you want to get one of those loans or renovation loans or thirty-year or fifteen-year or refi. He can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can find me at RobBlackShow.com. I'm Rob Black. Whether you're 20 years old or 60, managing your money can get complicated. So set aside Saturday, May 20th, and get ready to learn some strategies that can help you build wealth, invest confidently, retire better, and pass on your estate while minimizing taxes. That's May 20th at the Palo Alto Elks Lodge. We have two seminars lined up. 
The morning event runs from 9 to 11 with a focus on retirement income and estate planning. If you're nearing retirement, this one's for you. We'll explain how to transition your portfolio from the accumulation phase to the income phase, which accounts draw from first, how to protect your estate from long-term care costs, and much, much more. Our afternoon seminar is all about investing for your first million. From 1 to 3, we'll cover the building blocks of a successful portfolio, from investing basics to 401ks, Roth IRAs, real estate, taxes, and investing tips. Two separate seminars, May 20th at the Palo Alto Elks Lodge. Sign up for either event at robblackshow.com, only $25. For Kitty O'Day listeners, I waive the fee. Just use promo code RADIO25. That's robblackshow.com, promo code RADIO25. But you're moving so carefully, let's start living dangerously. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I see a lot of people in poverty for essentially two or three reasons. Number one is some sort of physical disability. That they have earned income, they're living a good life, and then they can't go to work anymore. That's one area that I see a lot of poverty develop out of. Another area that I see a lot of poverty develop out of is typically tied towards loss of a job and the assumption that I can get it back soon. Uh, I have someone in my family that has basically been unemployed for four years, realistically two, but he was also in kind of a sales-based position where nothing was closing even though he was working. So it's been kind of four years. And I look at that now as if I'm going to be an employer, I'm going to run someone's credit check, I'm going to see they haven't made money in four years. I'm going to say something's wrong with this person. Um, they're damaged goods, and I don't think that's a good thing in this economy. And the last reason I see people um, ultimately get into trouble financially is real estate. Uh, I see a lot of it. I see a lot of people looking at, you know, TLC um, and, you know, the flipping angles. Remember, it wasn't that long ago when Donald Trump would do with the real estate expo and he wasn't at, uh, he wasn't there. He would just show up on a video screen. Hello everybody, I'm Donald Trump. And that's the worst Donald Trump impression ever. But I, I, any sort of real estate investment thing that you have to go to a hotel and there's a video of the people and not the real people or like Robert, like Robert Kiyosaki, perfect. Or Tony Robbins. Um, it, it bugs me that they can't actually show up themselves and it tells me that what they're doing is really selling to the lowest common denominator. Um, so be very, very, very cautious. Real estate will get a lot of people in trouble, uh, especially because they they don't prepare. It's like their biggest shot. I remember doing a seminar not not that long ago, Tony, where two people in the front row. It felt like they were on crack. <laughs> um, I mean, it, they might have been 15 minutes removed from crack, like they're missing teeth and stuff. And they're like, "We want to buy real estate. We want to get rich." I'm like, "You came to the wrong place." Let's go to Paul in San Jose. Paul, how are you? I'm doing good, Rob. How are you, Tony and Rob? Good morning. A little worried about the market. Uh, question I have uh, is we're pulling off some gains on our, uh, some of our investments. But in terms of I know you've talked about safe money. And uh, what is the, what's the actual um, – is there a formula for we'd be saving per month in terms of our – uh, and see fund as well as just 
uh, for retirement. So, I mean, we're, we're fully funding our Roth and 401k, and ideally we'd like to have our paid off by 62, uh, which is in about 25 years or so. So, yeah. Sounds like you're doing great on one level. The sad secondary level is that this is a damn expensive place to live. So if, I would bet you're doing great if you retired in Texas. But around here, $200,000 doesn't get you very far. Um, or it could, but not necessarily. Uh, did you want to take any shot at what he said, Tony, before I, I pull up some thoughts on it? One of the things I look at all the time as far if if real estate is one of the angles here, uh, I, he didn't mention whether or not he's trimming off any real estate, but um, if he already owns real estate, he's he's, 30, he's not. He's he's 37. Um, I'm assuming it's 25 minus 62. And that, that's that is still within what I would consider the right age to allow a property to grow and, and benefit from that in the in retirement. Whether it's a primary residence or a, an investment property, um, I would definitely look at um, not sacrificing, you know, robbing Peter pay Paul. No, <laughs> Paul, I know that was your name, but uh, uh, to buy real estate and then sacrifice y- your retirement. Um, you know, this is a retirement show, and, and of course, and you know, and I think most people listening understand your views on on what you would do first. In this case, the four hundred and one k IRAs and and Ross, so not robbing Peter and pay Paul. I think that would be the first thing that I would say to to Paul. And to give you some more, you know, basic, simple thoughts based on your income and everything else, uh, ten to twenty times your income by the time you retire is where you should be. I think in your twenties you should be saving at least ten percent of your gross income, have at least three months of expenses set aside. In your thirties you should be saving at least twelve and a half percent of your gross income, three to six months of expenses be, uh, set aside. In your 40s, 15% of your gross income, 6 to 12 months of expenses set aside. In your scenario, it sounds like you might be on the younger side of having a family. Um, so when you turn 50s and 60s, you should be saving more. In your 50s, you're talking about saving 20% of your gross income, 12 to 24 months of expenses. You're now starting to get to that point where you want that three to four years of income, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, to be a draw. Market doesn't go down three or four years in a row. Um, I'm a little concerned because you roughly are 37 years old and you're saying the market's a little, little top heavy. Get out of the business of, of guessing when things hit a top or a bottom. It's just not worth it. Um, healthcare stocks have massively underperformed in the last 24 months. I bought some healthcare stocks recently. Maybe a healthcare index, maybe a healthcare fund. It's a little work of revised particularly actually on the show. Um, but there's always value out there and there's always things like if you think we're in a higher interest rate environment, banks have a long way to run. Um, so I'm with you on trimming some of your winners. I'm okay with that concept, but not across the board of let's get out of the market or let's think we're, you know, hitting all time highs. You have a president that likes deregulation. Things can go a lot further. You don't even have to get legislation through. You just deregulate it and you don't enforce laws. Companies will merge. So in your 60s, if you do everything that I said as far as saving 10% of your income in your 20s, 20% of your income in your 50s, you should stop saving money. You should be where you need to be, but 10 to 20 times your income. And then you also start thinking into effect uh, longevity. You want to start thinking of long-term care sometimes in your 50s, um, especially if one of your parents needed it. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. 
I'm Rob Black. It's a load on Friday. No work till Monday. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.